Hello and welcome to Capture Caledonia, the tracks that take us back, the podcast with me, Ewan Petrie. Each week, I'm joined by a guest who tells me all about the places in Scotland that mean the most to them and the memories and stories associated with these particular places. Then we listen to the songs that have become the soundtrack to these wonderful memories. I can't play all the songs in full due to copyright, but I hope that you enjoy the podcast nonetheless. If you are enjoying the podcast, please make sure you subscribe to it and leave us a rating and a review. You can also find us on social media. For Facebook and Instagram, just search Capture Caledonia. And for Twitter, search Capture Cali. Please like and share the pages with all your friends and family to help spread the word of Capture Caledonia and to keep up with the latest news. If you would like to support the podcast to help with future episodes, you can now donate on my Buy Me A Coffee page, which is www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash capture Cali. Any amount, no matter how small, really goes a long way. Thank you so much for your continued support and for listening to this week's episode. You're listening to the tracks that take us back on Capture Caledonia with Ewan Petrie. It is a total pleasure to welcome Iona Fife to the tracks that take us back. Originally from Huntley in Aberdeenshire, Iona developed a passion for singing from a young age, taking inspiration from the rich culture of the northeast of Scotland. At the age of 16, Iona began studying for a degree in traditional music at the prestigious Royal Conservatoire of Scotland. She would go on to graduate in 2019 with a first class honours degree. At only 23 years of age, Iona already has a wealth of experience to her name. 2018 saw Iona nominated for One to Watch and Best Live Performance at the Sunday Herald Scottish Culture Awards. And in that same year, she was the winner of the Scots Singer of the Year at the MG Alba Scots Trad Music Awards. The release of Iona's debut album, Away From My Window, saw her gain nationwide critical acclaim and the album premiered at Celtic Connections to a sold out audience. More recently, Iona was involved in a very successful campaign to persuade music streaming giant Spotify to acknowledge Scots as an official language. Although disappointing that it didn't happen sooner, thanks to Iona's drive to recognize this beautiful language, more folk singers will now have the opportunity to get their songs categorized under the correct language. With new music being released next month and a very exciting Creative Scotland crowdfunder competition underway, which we'll speak about in more detail very shortly, 2021 looks set to be another brilliant year for Iona. Iona, thank you so much for giving me some of your time today and welcome to Capture Caledonia. Thank you so much for having me. What a lovely introduction. <laughs> You're welcome. Now, before we talk about your choices for the tracks that take us back, I'd love to chat to you just a wee bit about your career to date. You grew up in Huntley in Aberdeenshire, which has got a wealth of fantastic culture and history uh, in that part of Scotland. What was it that first piqued your interest and inspired you to pursue a career as a singer? Well, yeah, I guess growing up in Huntley in the landscape, I mean, up in the northeast, you've got Barman, the Buffy Ballads, and then you've got the fishing community and a lot of the kind of fishing and whaling songs. So there was a wealth of, of ballads and traditional Buffy Ballads and Doric poems and music. Um, my uncle played the accordion in a Scottish dance band, but my mum and dad weren't musical at all. So it was when I was maybe five years old that my aunt took me to a, a Keith TMSA festival um, that I competed in the Doric poetry, the six and under category, and I won. And these festivals ran by the Traditional Music and Song Association have different kind of competition categories. So singing or piano or fiddle or 
ballad or Gothic ballad or Doric poetry. Um, but I was too shy to sing. I just learned a wee poem and then I won the category. And then at the prize winners concert at night, I met singers and loads of other kind of creatives and people who were working within the tradition and they encouraged me to kind of sing because singing a traditional song uh, was very similar to reciting a Doric poem. It's just you added a melody. So that's kind of how I first got into it. And I continued to do that through primary school and through secondary school as well. And I was always drawn to music, but I didn't kind of wake up one day and think, oh, I'm just going to be a professional folk singer. I think it was more natural. Like I started going to more and more folk clubs and sing arounds and folk festivals and, you know, started getting booked at them when I was like 15. And then when I was 16, I realized that you could actually study a degree in traditional music. And that's when I was like, you know what, I'll, I'll go for it and I'll audition. And I got in and I thought, well, I better go because you can't defer. You have to re-audition if you want to take a year out. So I think it was all very natural. Um, but when I was growing up, I was kind of in that you know, small town environment of, oh, music's not a real career, you should study and make sure you can go and get a proper job. And, um, you know, it was, that was the kind of vibes that I was getting from, you know, my, not parents, but kind of the, the community. Yeah, you, you mentioned briefly there that you, you know, you ended up going to study um, traditional music as a degree at the Royal Conservatoire of, of Scotland. Um, and you also talked about getting booked, you know, to do gigs at folk, uh, folk clubs and different places like that. Looking at your CV, you know, it's clear that you began working and gigging, you know, before and during uh, your studies. How did you find juggling the beginning of your career and, and then it really taking off with completing your degree at the same time? Oh, it was a total nightmare. Like by the time <laughs> I was in third year and fourth year, I was really not there that much. I was completing, you know, my studies in hotel rooms after gigs and writing my dissertation, uh, you know, on the hoof between soundcheck and between gigs. And it was it was pretty mad. But I, I always knew that I wanted to graduate and hit the ground running. And that meant that I really had to work whilst I was studying. Uh, so I took the steps necessary to be able to do that, like, you know, releasing albums and competing in the young trad and trying to make sure that when I did graduate, I wasn't thinking, oh, what do I do next? Um, but it was pretty mental and I burnt myself out. You know, by the time I was in third year, I was definitely on tour more than I was at uni and I was exhausted and I had to get my tonsils taken out because my immune system was so bad that I was getting tonsillitis pretty much nine out of 12 months a year. So there was, there was definitely a downside to all of that. I was absolutely exhausted, but I knew that I wanted to complete the degree. But at times I thought, oh, will I, will I finish it? Will I not? You know, the point of doing the degree is that you can have a career in traditional music. And I felt like I was already developing that and I was struggling to make, make it work. Um, but luckily I, I kind of pulled through and, and finished it. But, you know, my dissertation was handed in like six months late and I was, I was really ripping, you know, I was... I was I wasn't meaning to take advantage but I was I was struggling to to do it. You know in the creative industries it's obviously you know it can be a really difficult career to work in you know it can be hard to to find the work so was it the mentality of like all oh, the work's coming I, I should just say yes to it all and, and make sure that I, I get out there and, and start to work? 
Yeah, totally. Um, you know, when I was in second year, I got booked for kind of a four week tour in Germany that would take place when I was in fourth year. So I kind of had that plan in advance. You know, a lot of these gigs are booked years in advance. So you know what the crack is. So, you know, I would go in and say, hey, if I do fourth year, will I be able to get this time off to go and work? Otherwise, I'm just going to have to leave at the end of third year and not finish fourth year. Like it was it was difficult to try and, you know, negotiate how we're going to get me through the course. And luckily, you know, the all the staff were great. And the head of music, Dr. Joshua Dixon, was really understanding and, and really great. But if that was like a, a non-performance degree, I would have been tellt away in Bail Mahid, you know, because <laughs> I was in that degree and they were they were supposed to be supportive of you going off and touring and working. It was it was really good. Now, 2021 looks like it's shaping up to be quite an exciting year for you. You've got new music coming out very soon and you're involved in a new Creative Scotland crowdfunding competition. Do you mind giving us a little bit more information about this and, and how we can get involved? Yeah, it's so exciting. Um, so as a crowdfunder, effectively, on Crowdfunder UK and it launches at 9am on the 22nd of March and it will run for four weeks. However, the brunt of the activity will hopefully take place in the first week. So Creative Scotland have given a place to 20 projects and those projects have to raise as much money as they can in as short time as they can um, in order to access match funding from Creative Scotland. So an album costs quite a lot to make. Um, so I'm hoping to raise 10,000 pounds from the crowd, from the public, and if I do that within a matter of days, then I will be in with a chance of Creative Scotland match funding that. So the overall budget of the album and the album launch live stream would be around £20,000, which is pretty normal. It's, it seems like a lot, but it's, it's pretty normal. And with that, I would be able to employ over 21 creative freelancers making work for people whose livelihoods have been severely impacted by the COVID pandemic. So as much as this is about making a new album for me and being able to market it and tour it next year, it's about providing much needed work for the creative community that is needing it right now. Oh, it sounds so exciting and such a brilliant way of putting it there, you know, bringing work to people that have obviously been been struggling for work over, over the past year. I'll make sure that I post the links to how people can donate to that crowdfunder in, in the, the comments when I when I upload the podcast to, to the various uh, providers. Um, you've got new music coming out as well, and we're going to listen to uh, a new song of yours very soon. Do you mind uh, giving us a background to the song that you've got coming out? So the song that's coming out on the 2nd of April is a cover of Davy Steele's Scotland Yet. And I hate to be political, but he wrote this in the lead up to the Scottish devolution referendum. And um, I guess before the election on May the 6th, I think that the message is, is all too clear and important today.
Now, I'd love to talk to you more about your career and what you've been up to, but I think we should move on to the choices that you've made today for the tracks that take us back. Do you mind revealing the first place that you've chosen to speak to me about today and also why you've chosen this place? So the first place that I've chosen is Port Soy. And I recently wrote about this in um, the Herald newspaper about one of my favourite places. And I just thought I miss it so much. I'm going to talk about it today. So Port Soy is a fishing village in the northeast of Scotland with a 17th century harbour. It is home to the Pertsoi traditional boat festival, which happens each June. Uh, boats from all over the world uh, go to Pertsoi and show off their boats, effectively. <laughs> and uh, there's musicians and workshops and you know stalls, and it's just a great event for all the family. And it was probably one of the first events that I was taken to as a you know infant. And it's just a great day out. So Pritsoy is where that is, you know, takes place. And it's just a beautiful, small, quaint village that's quiet. And, and I love it. It is a beautiful part of Scotland up there, Portsoy. I've been there on many, many occasions. And, and I, too, absolutely love it. You mentioned there that it was one of the first uh, sort of places you were taken to for the, for the boat festival as, as an infant. Would you go back every year? Yeah, I think every every year we would make a make a trip trip down for the afternoon, and then of course I would get booked there to to do workshops or to sing, and um, it was kind of like a, a staple in my event calendar. So it's yeah, it's really lovely. Um, yeah. Have you ever had the ice cream? Of course. So if we go back to Huntley for like you know pre-COVID times, I'd go up to Huntley and like spend time with my mom and my dad. And if I met up with pals, um, there was kind of two options. Go to the pub in Huntley and get minced or <laughs> take the car, drive to Pritsoy, grab an ice cream and go down for a walk by the beach. And that was always much nicer to like reconnect with friends from home because I left home, you know, at 17. I didn't like finish sixth year at school. I just left after fifth year. I kind of felt a bit disconnected from my friends up in Huntley. And then when I moved to Glasgow, I was the young one. So I couldn't go out to the pub or go out a lot. So I felt quite lonely in my first year and I would go back to Huntley quite a lot and try and reconnect with my friends from secondary school. So that's what we would do. We would like get in our cars and and drive to Pritsoy, grab an ice cream. I love it. They also have a good bakery. So I'd get <laughs> buttons buttery's there oh you've just given me such a craving for a buttery no oh. <laughs> you mentioned that i've had one in so long <laughs> you can actually get them uh delivered now so a few few weeks ago myself and rachel here and uh gwen marie three two friends of, of mine we ordered 48 butteries from a bakery in tory in aberdeen <gasps> and they got delivered to glasgow oh i'm definitely gonna do that what what which bakery was it do you know the name of it I can't remember. I can't remember, but it was amazing. Um, you mentioned as well Port Soy and doing the article for the Herald in, in which you talked about it. I actually saw that article uh, a couple of days ago, and I noticed that you talked about being an extra in the film Sunset Song, which I believe was filmed partly there. What was that experience like? Uh, it was Whiskey Glore. Oh, Whiskey um, Glore. Sorry. I wish I could have been in Sunset Song. You know what? <laughs> I, I've said this on Twitter before, but... That read, you know, the the Sunset Song interpretation that ha it was a really great opportunity to to do the film with a great budget, 
and they got Agnes Dane to be to be Chris Guthrie. And it's just, uh, you know, every word she says, it's just, why why don't you just get a Scottish actress to do an Aberdeenshire accent? Like, why, why wasn't that a thing? So that really annoyed me. But it was whiskey galore and it was really fun to do. I mean, I'm not much of a dancer, but I was just at the wedding scene and that took place on the harbour. And it really put 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 soy on the map. People people were coming to watch, and it was it was great. But since then, Peaky Blinders has has been filming at the exact same same harbour. So that's really exciting. That it's a it's a kind of place that productions are are wanting fighting to go to. I think if anyone hasn't been to Port Soy, that's evidence enough that it's obviously a beautiful place. If if these big you know productions, films, TV shows are wanting to film there, then that's as good an advert for it as as anything. Um, I know that you've chosen a song that reminds you of Port Soy. Do you mind explaining why you've chosen the song that you have? Yeah, so um, Port Soy was home to um, Jimmy McBeath or Macbeth, however you'd like to say it. And Jimmy McBeath was born in Port Soy. He was an itinerant farm worker and also a singer of Bothy ballads. And um, he was just, he was kind of, he was born to a family of Scottish travellers um, and he, you know, worked at land since he was 13 years old. Um, I think he fought in the Gordon Highlanders in the war at Flanders, and then he came back and he had a singing career. But um, I think he he definitely puts Portsoy on the map when it comes to folklore. And he sung a song called Tramps and Hawkers. And I think he learned it from, from another traveller. But since then, it's been recorded by loads and loads of kind of revivalist and contemporary folk bands. I think Old Blind Dogs sung it as well, but it's just a great song about traveling all around Scotland. And it mentions different parts, you know, from John O'Groats to Dumfries and Galloway. And it mentions everywhere in between. I think it's just a gorgeous, upbeat song. You talk there in the song, it mentions, you know, traveling around Scotland. You also said earlier that, you know, you left to go down to Glasgow when you were quite young. Did you have much experience of traveling around Scotland before then, or was that the sort of first uh, big move that you had made uh, when you moved down to study? Yeah, I guess like my dad, my dad was always like, oh, come on, let's go camp. And my mum was always (laughs) like, let's go abroad to the beach on holiday because my aunt lived in Poingarola in Costa del Sol. So a lot of the time we would would go there on holidays, but my dad was always wanting to take me, you know, around Scotland on camping holidays. So so we would go to places like Fort William, where I also have family and would go I mean, everywhere. Uh, for a time, my mum kind of, she didn't want me to move to Glasgow when I was 17. She wanted me to go and study for a year and do my sixth year at the National Centre of Excellence in Traditional Music in Plockton in the West Coast. So we had a few rides up there and I, it just wasn't for me. Like, I don't know. I mean, my my practice as like a you know, I studied Scots song at RCS and that's, of course, is rooted in the Scots language, which is mostly an East Coast thing, um, you know, Glasgow and Edinburgh as well and Shetland and Orkney. But I just felt like moving to the West Coast, uprooting myself from that tradition uh, was just not for me. So, yeah, I had a lot of like trips to the West and all that. And yeah, I've seen a lot of Scotland. When I was 16, I did the Faze Ross Cayley Trail which was like my first ever experience of touring. It was like a four week tour doing two gigs a day, uh, 90 minutes per gig. It was absolutely exhausting. <laughs> we went all over Scotland then and it was amazing. Um, but I think to be honest, since since then, 
I think I probably traveled abroad more, unfortunately, than I have seen most of Scotland. So I, there's places that I really, really need to visit in Scotland. Well, hopefully uh, it won't be too long before you're able to get traveling and gigging and performing in lots of different places, whether it's in Scotland or abroad. You mentioned the song uh, briefly earlier that you've chosen to represent Port Soy. Do you mind formally introducing it for us and we'll, we'll give it a, a listen? This is Tramps and Hawkers, sung by Ewan McLennan on his 2010 side record, Rags and Robes. So come all ye tramps and hawker lads and give it a lousy blow. I'll stand yous all a final dram before I gang a war. For it's when I think of those roving days and the places I have been. Far up into the snowy north and south be Gretna Green. Let's move on to your second choice of place. Do you mind revealing the other place that you've chosen to speak about today? So the other place is Fivey. Um, it's a very kind of small town. I wouldn't even say it's much of a town, to be honest. It's about 11, 12 miles from Huntley, and it has the historic Fivey Castle, which I was a flower girl at in, what, 2004 or something. <laughs> so that's why I've chosen Fivey. It's, it's not... Um, it's not like pretty like Soy. it's pretty small, but the thing is, is that there's several ballads that are connected with 5e or, you know, things have happened in 5e and that's why I've, I've chosen it. Did you actually grow up in Huntley or did you grow up close to Huntley? Oh no, like banging in Huntley town. So the funny thing is, is that there's a continuum in the Northeast. So if you, if you live in Huntley town, to the farmers who live in the surrounding area, you're a Toonser. But if you go into Aberdeen and you meet someone from Aberdeen and say, oh, I'm from Huntley, I'm from Huntley, they'll say, oh, Truchter, Truchter. <laughs> you know, there's this continuum of like, you're too Toonser for the farmers and you're too Truchter for the Toonsers. It's just mad. But yeah, Huntley's really, you know, the castle's gorgeous. There's a lot of history in there, the bleach fields, a lot of industry. I really miss it. I think it's gorgeous. And there's some great songs that mentions Huntley, but there's some really, really great ballads that centre around 5e, like the Militiftizani, which is the song that I have chosen, um, Glen Logie, and of course the Bonnie Lassa 5e, all songs that kind of I've covered in my own career and a lot of folk singers will cover in the span of their careers. And they're called child ballads or muckle songs classical ballads that are not in the classical genre they're they're just called the big muckle classical ballads because they're this type of ballad that is um, long winded but also of a certain age and also was collected in a collection called the the child ballads which are not for children they were collected by a harvard scholar named francis james child who collected all of these ballads so he collected 305 ballads and um, he was an armchair scholar. He never left Harvard. What he did was he got people to send him manuscripts. So people from all over the world would send in manuscripts. And he collated this collection of 305 traditional ballads, mostly in Scots, some in other languages, Swedish as well. Um, but 91 out of 305 of the ballads were from Aberdeenshire alone. And the ballads that I mentioned, Glenlogie, Melitiftizani, Bonnie Lassa Fivey, I think they were in the collection too. So it's wow. really important in terms of balladry. 
That's amazing. I didn't know that. That's a wonderful, a wonderful piece of history. Do you find that you get, you know, obviously five years somewhere that's close to Huntley, I'm sure you would have been there quite a lot, but do you feel more connected to it now that you know these songs? Yeah, totally. I mean, it was funny because you could drive around the Northeast, you'd go, oh, I know a song about there. I know a song about there. I know a song about, you know, <laughs> because it's so steeped in these songs, you feel a connection to the songs through the place, but also you feel a connection to the place through knowing the songs. And I think that when I was growing up, if I was trying to learn a new ballad, I could maybe go to the, the place where the ballad took place, um, like Battle of Harlaw near Inveruri, the Harlaw Monument, you could go up there. Um, I think being able to go to the place and maybe sing the ballad there or visit gravestones to do with the characters in the ballads, because these were real ballads. They, they, some of them were supernatural or fictitious, but most of them, including the Melitiftizani, was unfortunately based on very true stories, very traumatic stories that happened to people who lived very near where I grew up. You've mentioned quite a few songs there, actually. What made you settle on the one that you have chosen? Um, I think it's because it's the it's the most important in terms of the message the message that it carries. So the Melitiftizani is a ballad about the honor killing of a young woman named Agnes Smith. Um, she was the daughter of the mill worker, so Mill of Tiftizani, and she fell in love with a man named Andrew Lamy, Andra Lamy, and he was a servant to Lord Fivey, but her family wanted her to marry Lord Fivey and not Andra Lamy, so um, they were very upset when she got with, with the servant, and they brutally murdered her, and this is a true story, and it was around... 1673 so it's set in early 1670s and um it was it was true and i think that's the shocking thing and that's why i'm drawn to it is because i stand in solidarity with 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 agnes or annie apparently the militifty's annie ballad was the most recorded ballad by female singers in the 20th century and that's to do with the the school of scottish study archive uh, perhaps this is due to people's belief that the ballad was a true story or the fact that it is a true story. And I think that's why it was recorded so much then and why it's still sung today, even though it's 400 years old. Yeah, absolutely. Still so relevant, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, so, it's so great to hear the sort of passion behind you delving into the history as well. Is that, is that something that really interests you? Totally. I was really geeky when I was growing up. Like I would travel into the Elphinstone Institute at Aberdeen University to access all the old ballad books that I couldn't get my hands on anywhere else. And, you know, folk music is, is just history, really. It's also, you know, contemporary too, but there's so much stories and, um, and history to the ballads that you can't really sing a ballad without getting involved emotionally with the history behind the ballad too and the context as well brilliant Iona thank you so much for for giving me some of your time today it's been such a joy to talk about these places in Scotland you know I'm from the northeast myself so it's been really nice to to feel that that's getting represented well on this episode of of the tracks that take us back do you mind just formally introducing the song for us one more time and we'll listen to it this is the child ballad the mill otiftis annie recorded by old blind dogs at mill in the neighborhood of Ivy, and he had a lovely daughter dear, was named once born here. 
You're listening to the tracks that take us back on Capture Caledonia with Ewan Petrie. Thank you so much for listening to Capture Caledonia, the tracks that take us back. If you're enjoying the podcast, please remember to subscribe and to leave us a rating and a review. Please also go on social media and like and share the pages with all your friends and family. A little reminder that on Facebook and Instagram, just search Capture Caledonia and on Twitter, search Capture Cali. Go on, like, share, post, comment about it and help spread the word of Capture Caledonia. If you want to support the podcast, remember you can go on to my Buy Me A Coffee page, www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash Capture Cali. Any amount that you can afford to donate to support the podcast will really go a long way and help to ensure that we can keep the podcast going in the future. Thank you so much for your continued support and I look forward to seeing you next week.